1: This podcast contains graphic subject matter and is meant for mature listeners only.
0: This is a Vault Studios production.
1: Previously on Bardstown.
0: Someone has information, and that information could help catch the killer of a fine police officer, husband, and father.
2: As parents, we pray that Kathy died first and died quickly so she didn't have to witness the vicious death her child suffered.
1: I'm Shay McAllister. This is Bardstown.
3: I was so desperate. The first time I went out there, I just wanted to run and look everywhere I could look for her. I knew something was wrong. Crystal wouldn't have just left her car like that. She wouldn't have got up and left in the middle of the night.
1: Crystal Rogers is a mother of five. A sister, a daughter, a granddaughter, and a girlfriend. And she's missing. On July 3rd, 2015, 15 months after the Netherlands are found murdered inside their home and two years after Officer Jason Ellis is ambushed on his way home, the 35-year-old's maroon Chevy sedan is found just off the Bluegrass Parkway. Inside, Tommy Ballard, her father, finds her keys purse, and uncharged cell phone.
3: I don't know why anybody would want to do this to my daughter. She never hurt anybody. I just wish I could bring her back.
1: It is humid. I'm, I'm glossy from sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, heat index is like 101 today. It is definitely a hot Kentucky day today, and we are even standing in the shade. Where are we at, and who are we talking to today out here in the woods? So we are in a public park, kind of in the heart of Bardstown. We're surrounded by a school, a playground, right off a super busy road. You can hear traffic and kids playing. Right, you can just hear outside. that this is not a remote area, though the crickets and birds and brush under our feet make it feel like you're way out in the woods we really aren't we walked about 500 feet Mm -hmm. to get here and we're meeting the leader of team crystal and angie bischoff started team crystal in the months after crystal went missing
2: well i mean like in crystal's case they didn't believe it for the first two weeks they just thought she ran off somebody had to do something so that automatically right there knocks your trust out. I understand there are there are people that run away. I, I, I understand that, but when you know, and especially Sherry being so determined, my daughter would not leave without her kids. I mean, even her neighbors would say, I never saw her without at least one of her kids, but most of the time, all of her kids. That right there's a sign. Somebody didn't just all up and leave, you know? The hairdresser from
1: Elizabethtown nervously twists and digs a hole into the dirt. With a piece of a soft wood log, she's made into a makeshift walking stick. Along with Crystal's family and friends, Angie put together a search team shortly after Crystal vanishes.
2: Okay, it would have probably been three or four weeks into it. You know, the first couple weeks, there was hundreds, hundreds of people volunteering. But then it started trickling down and understandable it started trickling down so i'm going to say probably a month into it there was all these especially these six of us that were there every time you know every saturday every sunday or or fridays or if you had any time during the week
1: team crystal made bracelets signs and t-shirts In fact, today, Angie proudly wears her pink and black rubber Prayers for Crystal bracelets around her slim wrists and a bright orange Team Crystal T-shirt with the words, no walk is too long to bring you home on the back. Team Crystal was a way for everyone to be on the same page, to share photos, to say, we searched there yesterday, don't waste your time tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and to really keep things going. And she wanted to bring us here because she thought this was a kind of interesting spot because it is so close to the heart of Bardstown. And it wasn't one of the first places they searched, but it had a body of water. And they were always focused on water. Mm -hmm. They always thought that her body could be in water. And this has a pond just down the hill.
2: If I'm right, it should be down this way.
1: The Ballard family searches endlessly for Crystal. Tommy, Crystal's father, was the leader not only of his family but also the massive search efforts. But these days, Sherry looks for answers on her own. Jessica and I drive out to Crystal's mom, Sherry Ballard's home, just outside the hustle and bustle of downtown, where we drive her long driveway lined with trees and a white fence. Just on the other side of the fence are signs that show unwavering love and support. Prayers for Crystal. What's that? A butterfly. A butterfly. Oh, oh! Yep, we uh, think that's actually somebody
4: particular.
1: (laughs) That butterfly likes you. Yeah. She just said they believe that butterflies out here are someone. Somebody. Sherry opens one of the double doors off her deck and greets us with a warm smile and hug. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. I have the whole crew. Thank
0: you.
1: (laughs) Metal wind chimes sway and cling against each other on the side porch, next to a large wooden yellow ribbon, remembering Crystal. We step onto the home sweet home mat to enter, and just inside the doorway, a small tree is adorned with wooden ornaments with inspirational quotes, and one with Crystal's photo burned into it. As we inch closer to the kitchen, the smell of freshly baked brownies wafts past our noses, Framed photos of smiling faces plaster the walls throughout each room. But amid the charming family portraits and butterfly mementos, a painful reminder of reality is hanging on the other side of her stainless steel fridge by a few magnets. A missing persons flyer with a photo of her blonde, blue-eyed daughter staring back at her. Crystal was born in
3: 1980, so she'd be 39. Crystal was my first She weighed four pounds and 12 ounces when she was born. She was born early. She was, she was a good kid. I couldn't ask for a better daughter than her. You know, she got along with everybody. She didn't have a problem with anybody.
1: But some of the relationships she wound up in weren't always the best, her mom says.
3: Crystal had five children. Um, Her first relationship that she had, Um, that's the one that we built the house for. They moved in there together and everything, and they weren't married. But he got mixed up in alcohol, and then she met the other guy that, she has another daughter, and he was a pretty good boy, but it just didn't work out between them. And then she got married, and she had two children by this guy, and it just didn't work out with that. She left him, and then she got out on her own, and she rented a house from Brooks Houck.
1: Brooks Houck is Nick Hauk's brother, the Bardstown police officer who worked with Jason Ellis. Brooks was Crystal's landlord. Soon after, things took a more romantic turn.
3: So when she met Brooks, I think she saw the opportunity that, you know, if you see any interviews with him, he's always, yes, ma'am, no, sir, you know, You just think, well, he's polite, he's clean cut, you know, he has his own business, he builds homes. I think she felt that as an opportunity that him and her dad would get along really good. And she was bettering herself, not knowing where that was gonna lead her down the road. We got along with him okay. Um, I never told my daughter this, But when she first brought him to my house, and it was, well, not the first, but when he was coming around, and I think we had Easter or something, and I had a friend here that I was really, really close to, and I asked her, they were all outside, and I asked her, I said, so what do you think about Crystal's new boyfriend? Because I had these feelings, but I just kind of pushed them to the side, and she said, I think he acts fake, and I said... I kind of felt that, too, but I don't want to judge someone, you know, wrong, and I don't really know him all that well, but I feel the same way. So we continued getting along with Brooks. I mean, he he seemed polite enough.
1: Eventually, Crystal moves in with Brooks after she gets pregnant. Everything seems okay in the beginning.
3: Then little things started happening, like... She went, and this was before even she got pregnant, she went on the farm that Brooks had. And they, my son was with them and my daughter and they were out there shooting the clay pigeons. And I don't know a lot about all that, but he switched her bullet out in her gun for like a turkey shell or something. And I may not be getting it exactly right, but so whenever she shot the gun, it would kick real hard. And she shot, and it kicked, and it come back and hit her shoulder. And when she got here that afternoon, she had a big bruise on her shoulder, and I was not happy at all when she showed it to me. Um, I just thought that it was so cruel for somebody to do that.
1: It was little things like that that made Sherry start to take notice, but really didn't seem to add up until Crystal began sharing more about what was happening behind closed doors.
3: Like, one of the Christmas, right, Crystal had just met Brooks, and I remember Crystal walking in, and she was in tears, and she said Brooks wouldn't come in with her, and they had gotten an argument or something, and I went to the bathroom with her, because she didn't want to sit out there in front of everybody crying, and she's like, Mom, my whole life is like this. Every guy I meet turns out like this, and... You know, I didn't want to discourage her, and I didn't want her to feel down. I said, it'll get better, Crystal. You know, maybe he's just having a bad day or something. I should have never told her that.
1: Sherry vividly recalls one night when her grandkid calls her in tears. They're home alone.
3: So I told my husband, I said, I'm going over there. So I went over there. And I was upset because I'm like, these kids are home alone. Because I said, where's Brooks? And they said, he hasn't got here yet. And I said, he should be here. So when I walk in, he's at the kitchen sink. He had got back home. And I was not happy, and I did fuss at him for that. And I told him, I said, these kids do not need to be home alone by themselves." I mean, they had a baby there. What if he fell down those basement steps? And, um... Brooks just kind of ignored me. He didn't say a whole lot. And then after that, he got mad at me, and he wouldn't talk to me for a couple months because he told Crystal I disrespected him in his home. Just little things like that happened all the time.
0: What if you were told buying a piece of land in the Mojave Desert could help you be rich one day? That was the dream developers of California City sold to thousands of people. But the reality is much different. California City, the new podcast from L.A.S. Studios, chronicles the dark side of the American dream, where those thousands of people were left with land that is nearly worthless. Hi, this is Will Johnson with Vault Studios, and I am a few episodes into California City now. It's a really fascinating podcast. There's several characters you'll run into, the do-gooder attorney who helped thousands of people before committing a heinous crime of his own. And there's the former police chief who chose not to investigate a prominent business in his own town. Just a few of the characters in this podcast. Each of California City's weekly episodes will leave you wanting more. If you love true crime and noir-style storytelling, then you'll love California City. California City is available now. Download at las.com slash California City or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's las.com slash California City.
1: Fast forward a little bit. It's Fourth of July weekend, 2015. Sherry gets a phone call from her granddaughter. Immediately, she knows something isn't right.
3: She said, "Mama, have you talked to Mom?" And I said, "No, honey." And um, I remember thinking, "Well, it's the Fourth of July. You know, maybe she's at a party and she don't hear her phone." So, still at that moment, I didn't get really, really alarmed. And On the second call, I started texting my daughter and asking her if she had talked to to Crystal. And I texted my sister-in-law, and I asked her, and I called my mom and asked her. And I told my youngest daughter, I said, well, see if she'll call you back, because she's not calling me back. And, And that wouldn't like my daughter not to return a phone call. So... I still, in the back of my mind, just played it off, like, well, you know, maybe her phone's dead or she didn't hear it. Sunday morning comes around, and my daughter called. And she's like, Mom, Crystal still hasn't called me.
1: Sherry's bright blue eyes swell with tears as she details the minute she knew something was off.
3: I remember the day that my daughter went missing, and I stopped Brooks, and he... He stopped and talked to me, and I asked him if he knew where my daughter was. And he said, no. He said, I said, what did you get in a fight? And he said, well, we got in a little argument. He said, she said that I treated the kids different, you know, that I didn't treat her kids the same. He said, and I can see where she got that. And my main thing to get him to stop was to see if that baby was with him because— I know my daughter would not get up and leave in the middle of the night and not tell nobody. And I was 100% sure if that baby was with him, and he had that baby with him. So I look in the back seat, and Eli peeks his little head around at me and waves at me. And the minute I saw that baby in that car, I knew something was definitely wrong. And I was scared, you know, because that was not my daughter. She did not just take off and leave her kids, ever. Her and Brooks have had a few fights. She took her kids with her when she left that house, even the baby. And when it was Sunday and she still hasn't called, I started panicking. And I got really upset. Nobody's heard from her. And she's not returning anybody's phone call. And that's not Crystal.
1: Sherry says Brooks doesn't offer to file a report with the police.
3: I told him, I looked at him, I said, I'm going to go report her missing. And he said, well, I think that's what you should do. And he left. He left like it was nothing. And I go to the police department, the sheriff's department, and report her missing that day.
1: But then Crystal's dad, Tommy, gets a phone call. Crystal's car had been spotted.
3: So my husband and my son went out on the BG and it was Crystal's car. Tommy said he told Casey not to touch anything. Cause her stuff was still in the car. Her keys, her purse, her cell phone. Anybody that knew my daughter knew she wouldn't know where that cell phone. Um. She always had that cell phone with her wherever she went. So we all went out to the BG where they found her car, and we stayed there until they took her car away. And then that night we got up a search. And we were out till like 3 o'clock in the morning searching the farm that backed up to the BG where they found her car.
1: So, Sherry says, they set up their own search party without the police.
3: I'm not going to sit here and say something that I don't feel. In the first two weeks my daughter went missing, I feel like they didn't do what they should have done. We don't agree on that, me and the sheriff's department. We never will. Um... But that's just how I felt. They, Tommy told them when they were on the BG, are y'all not going to search down by the BG? That night it was, we had like 80 volunteers, I think, that went with us. Um, My son and my husband went to Walmart and bought tons of flashlights. Uh, Some people brought their ATVs. Um, The area we searched was so... They were logging or cutting down trees or something, and there was brush piles everywhere. I remember thinking, how are we going to find her? I could walk right past her and not even know it because it's so much brush here. You know, she could be under that and me not even know it. How am I going to know? You know, you can't see under all that stuff. That's how we started searching. The sheriff at the time, he... Act like we were the plague when we came up there. Um, Me and Tommy pushed. We never stopped pushing. We were up there every day to find out what was going on.
1: But Brooks doesn't report his girlfriend and mother of his son missing. And he doesn't search for her with the family.
3: And, you know, he, he said in an interview somewhere or something that he didn't feel welcome. You know, and we told him, we'll put aside our differences. You know, if you want to help us search, we'll take all the help we can get. And even if he wasn't comfortable searching with us, if that was the mother to your child, someone you're supposed to love, wouldn't you get up your own search and go search to wherever you think she was at? I never understood that. Why didn't he go? I mean, he come from a bigger family. His family's very close. When my daughter was with Brooks. I never saw Brooks' brother, ever. The only time I saw him was at the Baby Shire. Um, he may have been at one birthday party. I'm not really sure. But he never came around. And then after my daughter went missing, you, he was at Brooks's all the time. I mean, you couldn't pry that family apart. I just didn't understand all of that.
1: Sherry recalls Brooke's story about the last time he saw her daughter.
3: They went to the farm like they were supposed to have someone said they were supposed to have a date night that night. So supposedly they went out to the farm and they were going to feed cows. Um that July 4th it poured down rain. It rained all weekend. We had heavy rains. I know my daughter. She's not an outdoors girl. Supposedly, they went to the farm, and they walked back in the field to feed the cows. My daughter's not going to walk back in the field in the pouring down rain, especially with her baby. Um, I just don't see her doing that. And then they left the farm and went back home, and Brooks went to bed, and Crystal was still up on her phone. And Eli was running around playing, and supposedly she was not there when he got up. She was just gone. Eli was in bed with him, and, and she was gone. I'm like, did you really not feel her put that baby in bed beside you? Do you really think she's going to get up and leave her child in the middle of the night? My daughter was older when she had Eli, and she never went any place without that baby.
1: One of the last places anyone, except for Brooks, sees Crystal alive is the local Walmart.
3: My aunt and my cousin were in Walmart, and they talked to Crystal while she was in Walmart that Friday. Um, they have video of her coming out of Walmart or coming in. Um, it's hard for me to watch that video, but. And then she left and she took the two kids, Tori and Trenton, to their dad. So she stopped by and gave them to him. So he saw them after my aunt and my cousin. And then they have video footage of her going in her house.
1: But the last time Sherry spoke to Crystal is etched into her memory.
3: I talked to Crystal that Thursday. I think when it was. Um, she came to my house. She was just talking. You know, me and her was talking. She didn't get out of the car. I don't know why. I still, I can't figure it out because she looked up at me and she's like, "Mom, he thinks I'm an idiot. He thinks I'm stupid." She said, "But I have everything." She said, because he lies about his taxes and stuff. I do know some of the people pay him cash money for his houses. Now, I don't know if he turned that in or what he did with that. I don't know. She said, I have his tax papers. I have his rentals. I have everything, and I have it hid. And I almost asked her, well, where did you hide it, Crystal? So I didn't ask her. The one time when it really, really would have helped me, I didn't ask her. I could beat myself up over that all the time.
1: Now, she vividly remembers all of those times she talked to Crystal while Crystal was upset about her relationship with Brooks.
3: I know one time she tried to leave Brooks, and she, me and her talked about it. And she told me, she said, Mom, she said... I can't leave, she said, because he'll take Eli away from me. And I told her, I said, Crystal, you can't, he cannot take that baby away from you. I said, you have to be an unfit mother, and you are not an unfit mother. I said, so that's the only way he can take that baby from you. And she said, but Mom, he has money and has a house, and I don't have that stuff. And I remember being so upset that day. So, um... I think she was scared. I think I think Brooke had connections that made my daughter scared to leave. But she had planned to leave him this last time.
2: The search for a missing mother in Bardstown continues, and now that story is getting national attention with tips pouring in. As
1: the news about Crystal's disappearance hits every news station and is the top headline in nearly every Kentucky newspaper, Tommy Ballard keeps pushing to find his daughter.
4: If Crystal's out there and can see us, just, we're hunting for you. Just anything you got, we'll check out anything. We just want to bring
0: Crystal home.
1: Angie Bischoff has been searching for Crystal right along with Sherry and Tommy. Standing in the middle of this too, it's it feels so remote where you're surrounded by woods and bugs and intense humidity. But you hear kids playing right over there, busy, busy street. And they said they were even looking in places like this that were right under their nose. Hidden in plain sight, possibly. Right. Because they think that the person responsible could have pulled it off. I mean, to, uh, to imagine that you're, you start way out. Like she said, they searched for six months way out in these very rural areas. And then when they weren't finding anything, they were like, wait, is it right in town? Right. Right next to a playground where kids are playing? A busy road that we drive every day? Angie walks us through the woods at J.C. Park in the heart of Bardstown to show us one of the spots where they searched for Crystal.
2: Watch for spiders. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't do spiders. Just be careful because of the rock. Okay, because yeah. it's definitely uneven ground. Yeah, you're
1: coming up on some And blocks, there's like four steps.
2: a bluff here. This is one of the things we always look over hillside.
1: Wearing jeans and heavy black boots, Angie walks us through their search. Thick trees and greenery nearly block out the rest of the world, but you can still hear the sounds of traffic and a busy town going about its business. And the sound of kids laughing and playing at a nearby summer camp is heard over the buzzing cicadas flying around us.
2: This is one of the areas that we went and searched in because there's there's a pond back here, and you know at the time, water, water, water. Everybody says probably in water. She's probably in water or woods.
1: Dragonflies hover over the babbling water where Tommy broke a dam to search
2: for Crystal, or any clue in finding her. And we found many deer bones, but you know you always had the hope. If I don't pick it up, and it's what if it's not a deer, you know. You learn to have that eye. You didn't look ahead. You looked down. What were those days out here like? Hot. I haven't been here. <laughs> I can still see Tommy sitting there, bitch pouring water of his boots. Sorry. We were all very determined. Some people would want to stop and talk and, you know, that's a human thing, but that's why I really started sticking with Tommy and Sherry, because Tommy was determined, and I was determined.
4: Made a promise to them kids I'd find her, and I won't stop. So many acres, we wade through rivers, ponds, and lakes, and, you know, we killed snakes and everything. And, and still this day, I mean, I went out a couple of weeks ago and put cameras down whales, but, I mean, we still go out and we get a tip, but I just never dreamed... It would be as long. You go to bed thinking, you know, where I look, you get up thinking. I mean, that's it's all I'll think about.
1: Over the weeks and months and years, Team Crystal, Angie, and Tommy become investigators, knowing what to do, what to look for, and knowing what not to do while searching
2: first thing you do, the first thing you do is go door to door, every store, and ask for video. That's the first thing, hands down. Don't waste time. When you start making phone calls, you start asking anybody and everybody that that might have even been walking down the street, let's say. Did you you see? Did you see? Did you see? Cars. That's the main first thing. And then from there, you start finding areas, writing down areas. Keep a, a list of every single person that went in and out. And stay in a line where you know every square inch is covered because so many people, there would be a person here, there would be a person there. Another thing is, um, I guess most people that know it, anybody who's watched a crime show is if you see fresh dug up dirt. Don't dig it. Probe it. See if it has a scent. Because human remains is a scent you'll never forget. Um, if it's a little bit on into it, look for look for really fresh green grass, because that fresh green grass is fertilized. It's been fertilized, so you know if that's really green and everything else isn't that lush, there's a possibility something's there. Don't ever touch anything if you do see something. You know, I mean, a lot of us wouldn't. We we all had walking sticks and we would. You know, we you you might flick something up to see. You know.
1: Initially, where they find Crystal's car on the Bluegrass Parkway isn't a route her family says she ever took. Crystal has never been found.
2: So you're getting tips through Team Crystal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, we had several, several people tell us. I seen her car on the BG, or I seen another suspicious vehicle on the BG, or whatever, between this time and this time, and I called the Sheriff's Department, and they told me, we're getting hundreds of calls, you're gonna have to call back, or we'll we'll call you back. And nobody got a phone call back. So when you have people that are willing to come forward with info, and they're not taking them serious, so people quit, you know,
3: quit, I hope they are. I pray they're calling. I don't blame God for what happened to my family. I know who is responsible. I know who's responsible. God didn't do this to my family. So, God's gonna be the one person to get me through this. And I can't blame him for that.
1: But Crystal's disappearance wasn't the first tragedy the Ballard family would experience nor would it be the last. They were the victims of another Bardstown murder case involving Crystal's aunt. This one takes us back to January 1979, when Sherry Ballard Barnes, Tommy Ballard's older sister, was expecting her first child and disappeared from Bardstown. Her father, Till Ballard, remembers the day his daughter went missing nearly 40 years ago
4: she was seven and a half months pregnant she wanted a divorce and she he wanted a divorce and she, she wouldn't give it to him so this uh january 29 there was about six inches snow on the ground and so she told her mother that she was going to Poss motor company to get her car worked on i was coming in cany fork where we live and she was going out and she waited at me and anyway uh, next she never showed up so the next morning We knew something happened.
1: Not long after she went missing, investigators found her car near the Ohio River in Indiana. A rock was found on top of the gas pedal.
4: Sherry's husband, they stopped at Simpson Lake and from what we've told, they knocked her in the head and took her down there on Bellwood Road to his trailer and got out, got a gun and took her someplace and shot her in the back Left her for dead, took her car over to Jeffersonville, Indiana. The Ohio River was up. So we went over there, and we found her car on the banks. The water had went down. The Ohio River went down, and we found her car.
1: Till's wife, Betty, sits next to him and places her hand on his knee as he hides his face in his hand, shielding his emotion. They found Sherry, Her remains, as well as her unborn child's remains, on a Nelson County farm, much like the one Crystal was allegedly last seen on feeding cows with her boyfriend, Brooks Houck. According to the Kentucky Standard newspaper archives, the local paper in town, police arrested her husband, Eddie Barnes, and charged him with two counts of murder in 1982, eventually dropping the second charge after the Kentucky Supreme Court ruled that a fetus couldn't be considered a murder victim.
4: Oh, he, he, want, he didn't want to pay $25 a week. That's the reason he murdered Sherry.
1: Barnes' motive was that he didn't want to pay child support to Sherry. At least that's what the prosecution told the jury during the trial in 1984. Barnes was sentenced to life and is now serving his time behind bars at the Kentucky State Reformatory in LaGrange.
4: So, you know, I don't want nobody bad priest forgiveness to me. I'm talking about hell. We're going through hell here. Yeah. There ain't no forgiveness, you know. I, I tell Pope, you know, don't ask me to forgive. I can't. I can't.
1: Till can't ignore the similarities between Crystal's disappearance and his own daughter, Sherry's disappearance, in 1979.
4: I thought, well, they done the same thing to Crystal. It was done to Sherry. Brooks Haupt knew in a roundabout way what happened to our daughter. He asked someone some questions about it, and we found out about it and what they did, how they did, where they took her car, and all this. And that was a few months before whatever happened to Crystal, you know.
1: Sitting with us now inside the Ballards living room, a cuckoo clock signals another hour has passed on by. As time moves on, Till says there's only one thing he wants before he can move on.
4: Justice. I hope the ones that murdered, we know who murdered Sherry, the ones that murdered Crystal, I hope they have to spend the rest of their life in the penitentiary. You know, it's it's sad when uh, somebody murders your family, there's nothing you can do about it. And like I said, if you've done something, you spend the rest of your life in penitentiary, and there's nothing you can do in there. And out here, maybe you can do a little something, keep your eyes open and ears open, you know. But we don't want pity. We just want answers. We want justice. We don't know pity.
1: Angie Bischoff, the leader of the team looking for Crystal, tells us about an odd encounter the Ballard family told her about just before Crystal vanished.
2: They ran into Tommy's sister, and he wanted to know every detail about her murder. They said Teresa just left her basket and left Walmart. She was so upset. He wanted to know every detail about the murder. Who did? Brooks. Why? Before Crystal disappeared. Crystal was with him. Yeah, because she's the one that had told Sherry. And Sherry said, you know, the Crystal said, it really upset, Teresa. I would have said, Would well, do you need to ask that? But I, I don't know, maybe there's a sense of fear. I don't know. He wanted to know every detail about it. That is just odd. I couldn't imagine walking up to you saying, now tell me everything about how, what happened to your sister, especially in a public place. Is that not odd? To me, he's educating himself for a reason. And, and one place that I kept begging Tommy, we need to go search, is where they found his sister.
1: Sherry Ballard Barnes' disappearance and murder are undeniably similar to Crystal Rogers' disappearance 36 years later. But Brooke's questions to the family about Sherry's case don't really strike a chord with anyone. At least... Not yet. If you have any information about Crystal Rogers' disappearance, call the Nelson County Sheriff's Office at 502-348-1840. Next time on Bardstown.
4: I'm telling you that I have been 100% honest with you. Is this how you act when you just act this way toward Crystal? When somebody, is, is this how I Crystal? Yeah. I act toward, toward people that accuse you, me of lying when I'm not lying. That's how
3: No, I
4: didn't
3: know, Crystal. Then why are you getting so angry?
4: Because you're calling me a fucking liar. That's why you
2: call me a liar. Okay? I don't like it when people call me a
1: liar. Bardstown is a Vault Studios production. You can find Vault Studios on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and learn about our other shows at vaultstudios.com. Visit our website, bardstownpodcast.com, for more background and information about the cases we cover in the podcast. I'm Shay McAllister. A special thanks to our team, investigative journalist Jessica Knoll, producers Beth Peake and Spencer Brudig. Adam Ostro and Will Johnson are our executive producers. Audio production by Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland.